Well, good morning, everybody. And uh, if you're new with us, you might be wondering, who's the guy on stage? Well, my name is Misael Gonzalez, and I'm one of the pastors here. And uh, most of you know me, and I was going to start off with a joke, but I just didn't feel like that was appropriate uh, after what we just did, because uh, that was just awesome. Uh, but if some of you know me, uh, you know, I speak English and Spanish, and that's just really fun. But also, you know that I love asking questions. And so I, I want to ask you a question, if that's okay. Uh, how do you guys, like, hang up the phone? Or how do you end the phone? Because I've talked to some people, and I'm like, all right, man, I'll catch you later. Like, all right, bye. <laughs> it's like, okay. If you ever called Chris Wall, who's our senior pastor, that's, that's kind of how he does it. He's like, all right, see you, man, love you. He's like, all right, okay. Yeah, he gets it, he gets it. Now, maybe there's some of you that are like, all right, man, hey, I'll see you later. All right, bye. Okay, yeah, catch you later. All right, hey, awesome, man. Have a great day. Hey, you too. You know what? Hey, tell Carla, say what's up. Hey, you know what? Thanks. And I'll tell Caleb what's up too. All right, cool, cool, cool. Hey, man, hey, don't forget the next week. All right, yeah, that sounds great, man. That sounds great. Hey, you know what? Have a blessed day. You know, the weather's out. It's great. It's sunny. All right, cool, man. Cool, 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 cool. Hey, man, yeah, also, and you're like, oh, my gosh, like, when, like, when is this ever going to stop? Some of you, you do that. Others maybe have this experience where you say, okay, honey, you know, I'll talk to you later. Great to talk to you. Hey, sounds great. Awesome. Yeah, also, don't forget the milk, the eggs, and don't forget to, you know, go to the post office and send that one thing to your parents, blah, 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 blah. We all kind of end the phone differently, don't we? (laughs) And I hope you got to see the funny pictures up here. Oh, there they are. Check this out. This one's my favorite. I I wish I had a phone like that so I could could do that. That would be so funny. Anyone have a phone like that? I'm curious. Okay. Well, looks like no one was born yet because no one had a phone like that. That's so funny. So when I think about this this last passage in Colossians, I almost think of it kind of like we get to see into Paul's voicemail where he's like saying all of these goodbyes, these last goodbyes and these last encouragements to the church of Colossae. And really what's happening is we're getting to see Paul just say, you know what, guys? Just move forward in Christ. Just move forward in Christ. And then he also wants to just give an authentic kind of last hurrah saying, hey, me, Paul, actually wrote this letter. Like, I'm the one who wrote it. Uh, and so, if you're with me and you have your Bibles, we're going to turn to Colossians chapter 4. Colossians chapter 4. And as you turn there in Colossians, don't be afraid to use little index uh, at the very beginning of the Bible. But as you turn there, I just want to remind you that this is the last sermon of our Lesser Than series. And so we've gone through the entire book of Colossians, first looking at greater than, that Jesus is greater than all things. And now we're seeing lesser than and saying that we must decrease and the Lord must increase, which honestly just goes against all of our human nature. And the reason why we think that God must increase and we must decrease is because if you think about it, we would have no hope if God himself did not uh, decrease himself for us. That's kind of what we just celebrated. He said, we celebrate that Jesus came to us and humbled himself down as a servant and humbled himself all the way to death on a cross, is what Philippians 2 verse 11 says, or maybe verse 10. And so that's just what we see. And so that's why we say that we must decrease and the Lord must increase. And as we read this, you might be looking at all these names and say, what is going on? Because it might just seem like a list of nine names. And in a way, it kind of is a a list of nine names, but all of these names are real people with real stories and real lives that they live. 
And we need, we need to understand why these people are listed, because these people are really not that extraordinary. They're really just ordinary people with an extraordinary God. And God just used them in a mighty way. And, and we're going to see some of these. And, and the way that I kind of just dissect these three sections is that at one point we see the sent, which is all those people that Paul sent to the church of Colossae. And then the second part, we kind of see the enslaved, which are those who are uh, in the prison with Paul. They're saying hello through prison. And then some of those are people that are with Paul outside of prison. And then kind of the last part is the saints, the saints. And really the saints are those people that Paul's saying hello to, or saying, hey, the saints. And so if you're with me, let's go ahead and stand up and begin reading in verse 7 of chapter 4. Verse 7 of chapter 4. It says this, Tychicus will tell you all the news about me. He is a dear brother, a faithful minister, and fellow servant in the Lord. I am sending him to you for the express purpose that you may know about our circumstances and that he may encourage your hearts. He is coming with Onesimus, our faithful and dear brother, who is one of you. They will tell you everything that is happening here. My fellow prisoner, Aristarchus sends you his greetings, as does Mark, the cousin of Barnabas. You have received instructions about him. If he comes to you, welcome him. Jesus, who is called Justice, also sends greetings. These are the only Jews among my co-workers for the kingdom of God, and they have proved a comfort to me. Epaphras, who is one of you and a servant of Christ Jesus, sends greetings. He is always wrestling in prayer for you, and that you may stand firm in all the will of God, mature and fully assured. I vouch for him that he is working hard for you and for those at Laodicea and Hierapolis. Our dear friend Luke, the doctor, and Damas send greetings. Give my greetings to the brothers and sisters of Laodicea and to Nympha and the church in her house. After this letter has been read to you, see that it is also read in the church of the Laodiceans, and that you in return read the letter from Laodicea. Tell uh, Archippus, see to it that you complete the ministry that you have received in the Lord. I, Paul, write this greeting in my own hand. Remember my chains. Grace be with you. This is the word of the Lord, and praise be to God. Amen. Doesn't that sound like a voicemail? That totally just sounds like a voicemail. It's just like, okay, cool, 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 cool. Who are these guys? And so when we read this, the textual idea that I want you to get is that Paul encourages the church to move forward in Christ. And really, that's the whole sermon idea for us. If you're taking notes, here's the one thing I want you to write down, at least for right now, is move forward in Christ. Move forward in Christ. And, and as I thought about this, I, I don't know who needs to hear that today. I don't know who needs to hear that encouragement to just move forward, take that, just take that next step in Christ. And so we're going to look at three specific things in this passage. So here's the first one, is that in Christ, we are to move forward as familia. We must move forward as familia. Anybody know what familia means? Family, there you go. You guys know Spanish. Come on, come on. So we see this uh, from verses 7 to 9 is that we move forward as family. And so we have the scent here. The scent are Tychicus and Onesimus. And so we need to understand who are these people and what's going on, because then that will help us understand what's happening in this text. And so the first guy that we see is Tychicus. And he's described as a dear brother, a faithful minister, a fellow servant in the Lord. 
And these are the attributes that are given to Tychicus. And I think one of the greatest ones is that loved brother. You see, Tychicus is described as this person who might have been like one of Paul's uh, just trusted assistants. And he's the one that had the privilege of being able to take this letter that Paul wrote and personally deliver it to the church. You see, this is actually really special because they, they had this Roman postal uh, service where you could send mail to people. But if you wanted to send a special mail, well, you de- delivered it personally through a personal messenger. And this was Tychicus. He was kind of like Paul's spokesman. But then I want to highlight Onesimus. And you see Onesimus here in verse 9 where he says, uh, he is coming with Onesimus. And, and let me tell you something that's really interesting about Onesimus. Onesimus is a runaway slave. He was enslaved by someone who was in Colossae, like in this church. And Paul's saying, yeah, this guy that ran away from one of you is coming back to you. And how is he going to come back to you? He's not going to come back to you as some runaway slave. He's going to come back to you as a dear brother. That's what it says in verse 9. He's coming with Onesimus, our faithful and dear brother, who is one of you. This is just fascinating because... Paul is just telling the church to welcome in Onesimus with love and with respect. Someone who has been transformed by the grace of God. Because what Paul is advocating for is that the gospel transforms everything and even redefines our cultural norms. Because the cultural norm of the day for a runaway slave was to be punished. That was the Roman law, to punish them. And what Paul is saying is, no, you're not going to punish them, but what I urge you to do is to welcome him in and accept him as a dear brother, accept him as familia, as family. And one thing that I think that Paul had in mind is, Paul's like, this guy Onesimus, maybe we're not the same blood, but we have been covered by the same blood. We have not, maybe we're not just relatives But we are the same children of God through Jesus because it was through Jesus' blood that we've been bought. And so this is what Paul is saying is that they have been bought by the same blood. They've been purchased by the same blood. They've been covered by the same blood. And it transforms everything. And can you just imagine, though, like Onesimus walking into the church? Like, that'd be so awkward. (laughs) Like, oh, my gosh, he's back. Some people would probably be really mad. But really, Onesimus' story is a story full of grace and power and hope that as a people of God, we can move forward in Christ. And that's just beautiful. And so these are the two people that we see. And and so when we move forward in Christ as a family or as familia, we have to do it together. And so the application that we see here is that me is lesser than we. Me is is lesser than we. So there's two things that I mean by this, that me is lesser than we. I actually, uh, in my notes, accidentally put like greater than we. So uh, I'm glad that Jonathan Watts over here reads my outlines because it's not true. It's not true. So me is lesser than we. And here's what I mean. We need to be a people that are able to discern a me ministry and a we ministry. We have to be able to discern a me ministry and a we ministry. You see, the Lord, he places a lot of things in our hearts personally. He places things and he moves us in in ways that's like, man, the Lord, you're convicting me. I need to do this. And then there are moments where the Lord is moving and laying on the hearts of the whole church and saying, as a church, we need to do this. And what's fascinating is that there are moments that we're going to do things and we're going to be called to do things on our own that maybe the church is not going to be called to because we're going to be in places and spaces 
and maybe uh, and be in these moments where the church can't be in. But then there are moments also that we're going to do things as a church and, and do ministry together. And maybe it's something that you would have never done on your own, but because we're a family, well, we're going to do it together. Uh, so this is just incredible, and we have to be able to discern what that is because as a family, we're a team. And we need to work together as a family and as a team to impact the community that we're in. But then the Lord sends us out as individuals into places that the church can't even go to, to be around the lost people we can't be around. And then, here's what I think is fascinating. When I think about ministry and this we ministry, so many times I hear people say the, the words like, well, that's your ministry, that's their ministry, that's, that's my ministry. And it kind of makes me think, isn't it the Lord's ministry? Isn't it his ministry after all? Isn't it he the one that is the owner of the ministry? Because I think so many times we accidentally think that we're the owners of the Lord's ministry rather than the stewards of the Lord's ministry. And we are to be stewards of the Lord's ministry and the stewards of his resources, the stewards of his children, the stewards of his time. You see, because the Lord has given us that time and and I don't want us to be a people that mistaken ownership for stewardship, that we are stewards of it and not owners of it because he's the creator, he's the sustainer, he's the redeemer of all things, a.k.a. he's the owner, and I get to steward in all of that. When I think of being a good steward, I kind of think of being a good manager at a restaurant where I'm the one that has been entrusted by the owner to know all the ins and outs and, and, and to be able to uh, manage different employees and say, okay, you do this, you do this, all right, let's do this. But ultimately, I'm doing all of this as a manager of restaurant under the authority of the owner. Because ultimately, the owner can walk in and say, yeah, yeah we're not doing that. Oh, yeah, hey, we're going to do this instead. And so when we think about that, we have to understand that, that the Lord has entrusted us uh, with our families, with our ministry, with all of these things. It's his and his alone. And... Uh, it's, it's graduation season, isn't it? It's graduation season. And I'm seeing, so my brother Caleb, he graduated from high school. And I'm seeing parents at this graduation process of saying, oh yeah, I'm not my kid's owner. I'm my kid's steward. And they're about to leave me. And I've had this moment of 18 years to steward them and, and who they are. And now I have to release them because ultimately they're the Lord's. Ultimately, I've had to grow them and, and to help shape them. And... Uh, it's just a great reminder when I'm in those graduations that, man, our kids are the Lord's. And we steward their hearts, we steward their minds in the direction of the Lord. And, uh, and because we're talking about graduation, I, I do want to highlight two people, if that's okay. And I think we only have two people in here. I don't think we have any high school students that are graduating. But I do want to highlight, number one, Haley. Is Haley in here? Uh, Haley, will you stand up? Haley graduated from TCC. Can we just call for Haley? Haley, yes, congratulations, Haley, that's amazing, you can sit down, you can sit down. Okay, so the second person is incredible story, the second person is Ruth, Ruth, will you stand up, Ruth graduated from ORU, amazing, amazing, you can sit down, Ruth's story is just incredible, so if you have time, please ask her, did, did I miss anyone, did anyone else graduate, no, you didn't, okay, amazing, amazing, <laughs> So that's what I think. So the first thing that we saw is that we move forward as familia, okay? And then we saw that me is lesser than we. Well, the next thing we're going to see in verses uh, 10 to 15 is this, is that we also move forward as amigos. We move forward as amigos. What does amigos mean? Anybody know? Friends. See, you guys know more Spanish than you think. 
God, man, that's awesome. So we move forward as amigos. And so here we see the enslaved and those who are with Paul. So the first person that we see is kind of Paul's special friend. His special friend is uh, Aristarchus, and this friend was Paul's traveling companion, and he uh, traveled with Paul. He was even in prison with Paul, and he's in prison with Paul at this moment, and he's one of those believers that's with Paul, and, and uh, he's been with him for such, a, for such a while, and he'll continue to be, uh, because he was with Paul in that shipwreck. Uh, he was with Paul in that riot uh, in, in, in Ephesus, and uh, he was that person that was always with Paul. He's almost like like... Wherever Paul was, this guy was there. It was just like his special, beloved, best friend uh, next to him. And so the next person that we see is Mark. Uh, Mark is this guy who you could probably consider as Paul's recovered friend. So not his best friend, but his recovered friend. Because Mark was this guy who went with Paul on his first missionary journey, but he didn't go on his second missionary journey because something happened. Like We don't exactly know exactly what happened, but there's some tension, and so Mark just didn't go. Uh, and so it's just interesting because it's Paul's recovered friend because it looks like the relationship was restored. Paul here says that, uh, that Mark was, uh, what does it say here? Uh, oh, it says to welcome him in. It says you received, received instructions from Mark, welcome him in when he comes to you. So he's just saying he's a fellow worker and, and he's someone who has comforted me throughout this whole time. Uh, so then the next person that we see is Jesus, also named Justice. Now, we don't have anything on this Justice guy anywhere else in the Bible. Like, this is the only time that he's mentioned. So I, I kind of call him the unknown friend. He's the unknown friend of Paul. Uh, he's kind of the nobody in the group. Uh, and if you listen uh, to these different characteristics of these people that are with Paul, his amigos, his friends, they're just so diverse, so diverse in who they are and what they do. Uh, so here you have the, the nobody friend that is with him. And then next we have Epaphras. So if you remember Epaphras, we've actually seen Epaphras before. And this Epaphras guy is, this, is Paul's new friend. He's Paul's new friend. He's like, hey, what's up? And Epaphras was the guy who actually came to Paul from Colossae to say, hey, this is what the church of Colossae is doing. This is what they say. This is uh, how they say that they love you. And so uh, Paul describes Epaphras as this person, as this man who is wrestling in prayer for you. That's what he says in verse 12. It says, Epaphras, who is one of you and a servant of Christ Jesus, sends greetings. He's always wrestling in prayer for you. Why? That you may stand firm in all the will of God, mature and fully assured. And he says, I vouch for him that he is working hard for you and for those at Laodicea and Heropolis. It's fascinating how Paul says that uh, Epaphras is, is working so hard for them in prayer. He was wrestling in prayer. He was doing what was called intercessory prayer, meaning praying for them. And he's praying that they would be mature and completely complete in Jesus. Because he understood that we are incomplete human beings without him. And so he's praying for them. And, and I'll be honest, I think every church needs an Epaphras. Every church needs prayer warriors that we are praying for one another and praying for those things. It's like, Lord, we need you to do a miracle. Lord, would you continue to show your purpose in people's lives? And so I want to encourage you, maybe your time in serving physically is over, and that's okay. But man, you can pray. And it's not just a side thing that you do, but it's the thing that we do. It is the thing that we bring people to the feet of Jesus. So the next person that we see is, is this guy named Luke. 
In Luke, we can tell he's the dear friend of Paul. And there's evidence that Luke uh, probably journeyed with Paul a couple times. And Luke wrote the Gospel of Luke. He also wrote uh, the book of Acts. But he's a dear friend, and he's a doctor. He's a historian. He's an author. And he's just a good guy, good guy to have around. He's an all-around player. And then I find it fascinating that Paul describes this guy. So if you go all the way to verse 14, excuse me, verse 15, it says, give my, uh, no, it actually is 14. Our dear brother Luke and the doctor, and then it, it names this guy, and Damas sends greetings. This guy, he's considered the lost friend. The lost friend who came with Paul, but then he got distracted by the world and left. He was that guy that, that forsook Paul. He's the guy that, that made Paul super sad because he departed from them because he had a love for the world. And so we have the lost friend here. So we see all these friends of Paul, and it's really interesting to just see who they all are. But an application that we can get from verses 10 to 15 is this. One is lesser than two. One is lesser than two. And really, I should say that one is lesser than nine, because like there's these nine friends here. But I want to read from you, read, read to you Ecclesiastes uh, chapter four, verses nine and ten. Again, one is lesser than two, which means two is uh, better than one. And it says this: two are better than one, because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls, one can help up the other. But pity to anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. You see, Paul had amigos. He had friends. Paul didn't do it on his own. He had people around him that helped him in the ministry and helped him when he felt really, really down. And he had to have people who could pick him back up. Isn't that true for us? You see, I think of, I think of what's happening right now within the life of our church. And, and there is a family that needs us. There's a family that needs us to be not just their family, but their friends to hold them up to be those. They're like, look, you can't do this on your own. Let's come and gather together and to pick you up. And we're going to pray for them after the service. But then I also think about Proverbs 27, 17 that, that, that says, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. Again, one is lesser than two. And if you think about sharpening iron to make it sharp, uh, that means that we kind of have to take something off that's unnecessary. We have to take off the unnecessary part in order to make it sharp. And so when I think about friends, friends are those people that kind of help you see the unnecessary in your life. <laughs> I have a friend who's really blunt, and he tells me when I'm being really, really silly, to put it really, really nicely. <laughs> and he's the one who's like, dude, that's so unnecessary. He, he, his phrase is like, dude, what are we doing here? What are you doing here? What are you doing? And I was like, ah, oh, dude, you're right. And you think about it, you need people, we need people in our life that love Jesus, that, that, that know Jesus and not only hold us up, but they help refine us and help us keep us accountable. When I think about my friends, you know, close friends, they know and they see the closed door habits that I have. These close friends see the closed door habits that I have and I need these friends to look at me right in the eyes and say, Misael, you say you pledge allegiance to the king. You say you've put your faith and trust in Jesus, but you're not living it. So you know what? Stop saying it. Stop saying it. We need people in our life that look at what we're doing and they're not afraid to say, look, if you're not gonna live like you love Jesus, don't say that you love Jesus. 
that would be the same thing of, of me saying, you know what, I'm an MLB baseball player. Like, I already look Puerto Rican, but I don't have the build of an MLB player. And so they're over here, you know, super muscular, hitting home runs. That would be me saying, you know, I'm an MLB player. But you're like, yeah, me said, I don't see you on TV. I don't see that you're built like an MLB player. You don't play baseball. So you know what? Might as well stop saying that you play baseball because you don't. Or think of it this way. Imagine if Joe McKean was proclaiming to the whole world, I'm a WWE wrestler. <laughs> Joe needs a friend to say, hey, Joe, you're really not. So you probably should stop saying it because you're not living it. And so it's in those same ways that I'm going to tell Joe in a gracious, friendly way, say, my guy, it's just daunting because he's not living it. In the same way, we need people and friends in our own life that are, are just telling us, hey, not only am I going to pick you up, but I'm going to hold you accountable to what you say and to what you do. And so we've seen that we need to move forward as familia. We need to move forward as amigos. And the next thing is that we need to move forward in fidelidad. Anybody know what fidelidad means? Take a guess. Faithfulness. Thank you. Faithfulness. Great job. Move forward in faithfulness. I'm going to read this to you. Starting in verse 16, it says this. After this letter has been read to you, see that it is also read in the church of, of the Laodiceans, and that you in return read the letter from Laodicea. Tell Archippus, see to it that you complete the ministry you have received in the Lord. I, Paul, write this greeting in my own hand. Remember my chains. Grace be with you. So here Paul is talking to the saints. He's talking to the Colossians. He's talking to the Laodiceans. And what he's telling them, he goes, end well. Move forward in, in faithfulness. Move forward and, and be faithful to those around you. Be faithful where you are. Be faithful where you walk. And be faithful no matter where you go. And in faithfulness, what we're going to do is we're going to be fellow servants. We're going to be fellow soldiers of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he gives us two reminders here in verse 17 and verse 18. I think this reminder to Archippus is a great reminder to us in faithfulness. And so I, I want to tell this to you almost as, as if it's for you, because I think it is. It says, see to it that you complete the ministry you have received in the Lord. So what, what ministry has the Lord entrusted you with? What ministry is the Lord asking you to be faithful in? Of saying, move forward in faithfulness and, and do the next thing and complete it because you've received it from the Lord. And then verse 18, it says, Paul says, remember my chains. And I asked, I was like, why would Paul want us to remember his chains? That's kind of bad. Like, I wouldn't want to remember that Paul is in prison. But what Paul is saying is, no, remember why I'm in prison. Remember that I'm in prison only and only because I've been proclaiming the gospel. I'm in prison only because I truly believe who Jesus is. So if you remember my chains, you remember what Jesus has done. If you remember my chains, you'll know that I am completely committed to the gospel. If you remember my chains, you'll remember that I have a significant relationship with Jesus Christ, that he is my everything. He's my everything. And Paul reminds us 
that grace is with us. In verse 18, it says, grace be with you. This grace that is supplied by God, this grace that gives salvation freely, this grace that requires nothing of us, only just trust and belief, that Jesus Christ is the one that did all the work, he reminds us that grace sustains us in the Christian life, that grace is with us and we have the grace of God, we don't need anything else because we have Jesus and Jesus alone. You know, there's this, there is a way that I was gonna end today. But like I said, there is, there is a family that needs to be lifted up. There is a family that needs not just familia, but amigos and faithful people to come around them. And uh, if it's okay, can I have you guys come up? It's okay. So I, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna have the family come up right now. And, and, and uh, Joe, will you come up? This is, this is kind of how I want to begin our time of response. I think most of you know this by now, uh, but uh, Darcy had little Rosa a couple weeks ago, and uh, a couple days ago. <laughs> it feels like weeks. And uh, little Rosa, when she was born, they found out that the heart wasn't completely developed and, and working the way that it should. And they had to helicopter her all the way to Oklahoma City. And we've been praying, and I know most of you know that, but those of you who don't, that's, that's what's happening. And as a perfect application of what Paul is saying, what the word is saying, is that we need to move forward together. Well, I'm gonna ask us to be praying for them. We're gonna pray for them right now. So what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna have Jonathan and Chad come up and uh, we're gonna lay hands on them. And I'm gonna ask all of you to stand up with us. And what we're gonna do as you're there standing, as a representation of, of laying our hands on them, we're gonna extend our arms out like this. And that's how we're gonna pray. And after we pray, we're gonna remain standing and, and we're gonna sing to the Lord, trusting in him because we are asking and we are pleading, Lord, yes, will you do your will, but Lord, will you hear us? Will you hear our cry and do a miracle? Because that is what we need this morning. And so let's extend our hands and we're gonna pray for them at this moment. Lord Jesus, right now, uh, first of all, I'm thankful for your word. Lord, I'm thankful that you call us and you encourage us to be a, truly, a true family of faith of people who walk in faithfulness to you as friends. And Lord, you call us to be, to be together and to do ministry together, to lift one another up. And so Lord, right now I lift up the Zamora family. I lift up Rosa, Lord. We pray uh, for her, we pray for them. Lord, I pray that they would continue to trust you through this whole process. Lord, that you would teach them, that you would refine them. Lord, that they would be able to see your hand and your work, just like we sang this morning, that you are working even when we don't see it. Lord, that you are present even when we don't feel it. But Lord Jesus, you are with us and in us through your Holy Spirit. And Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would refresh this family, that you would strengthen this family. Lord, I pray that you would touch the body of Rosa Lord, that a miracle would happen that would proclaim your glory, 
that would astonish the doctors and everybody who knows so that we can point to the Lord God Almighty, the creator and redeemer and sustainer of all things. Lord, I pray, please, please, God, that this family would find rest under your shadow. Lord, that they would find refuge in your fortress. Lord, that they would find cover under your wings. You are the good and gracious king. And and we plead, Lord, please hear our cry. Be gracious, Lord. And we come before you in such humility, knowing that you're the king of kings, but yet in such boldness, knowing that the king of kings listens to our cry. Lord, I pray that you would, we, we know that you knit us together in the womb. And so, Lord, I pray that you would knit together things that Rosa needs knitting. Please, Lord, that they would just grow and attach themselves in the heart and all that that's going on because you are the great doctor, the great physician, the almighty Lord, and so we trust you. Lord, I pray that you would show us and teach us how to trust you and love you through all of this. Lord, we ask that you do your will, please, and that our hearts would align to your will. Lord, there's so much to pray, but thank you for a family of faith that we can come together as one. And Lord, I pray that if there's someone this morning that is maybe just tired of walking alone, I pray that they would know that this is a family of faith that walks with them. And Lord, I pray that if there's anyone who feels as if they're spiritually stuck or not growing, I pray, Lord, that they would move forward in Christ with Christian friends who are encouraged and challenged by them. Lord, I pray that if there's anyone this morning that that maybe they just are not walking in that faithfulness with you, Lord, I pray that you would convict them. And Lord, that if there's anyone this morning that maybe they don't know how to move forward because they don't have Christ, Lord, I pray that the Zamora family would be evidence, that the Zamora family would be an example of what it's like to have hope and have peace in Christ. Because it is in Christ that we have all of that. It is in Christ that we have everything that we need. Lord, that they would be an example that in Christ, though things are terribly hard, that we have all the hope for today and tomorrow. I pray all this in Jesus' name.